been a long time since I've heard from my great friend Oscar Saywell, both on this podcast because of the international break and playing football in real life. But uh, recently, we have broken both of these streaks, uh, returning for episode 22 of season two and also kicking around the football on Sunday. Oscar, how are you? Hello, Blake. It has been a while. It was very fun seeing you on Sunday, and I hope to be present for many more of those fun little matches. Um, and yeah, I'm doing well. How are you? Uh, I feel like it's been a reoccurring theme uh, over the last three podcasts we've recorded, mm-hmm. where I tell you I'm doing well outside of football, uh, where it was yet another harsh week for me. It was a bit. Um, but other than that, things are looking up. Um, it was, I think, a very entertaining weekend of football. Um, and uh, I'm yeah, excited to talk to you about it. Me too. Me too. Yeah, I actually had the ability to watch a ton of matches this weekend. That's uh, nice. Which was very nice. Um, so I will... I guess I have to start with the lowest point and then the rest of the podcast will Can be an up? optimistic yeah. one. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is, unfortunately, Tottenham Hotspur 5, Newcastle United 1, uh, a match that saw Newcastle start the better side, take the lead, uh, and then capitulate and concede 5. Um it was Whoops. Fabian Cher with the free kick um, to give us the lead, and I was very excited. I was driving back from playing football with you, so I was listening to the oh, yes. uh, BBC radio call, um, which was very nice. Um, and then by the time I got home, uh, it was already 1-1 because Ben Davies scored very early um, mm-hmm. or very quickly after Newcastle did, and then the second half was just absolutely terrible. Mm. Um, talking about the match itself, uh, it's kind of just bad defending for all the goals. Um, plus, Spurs are a, you know, very, when they're on their day, they can yeah. be very clinical and they can rip aside uh, poor sides. But I think the main talking point of this match is just the overblown reaction to it a bit um, yeah where you know winning or uh, nine straight undefeated matches for Newcastle was anomalous um, and outside of those nine matches Newcastle are by and far the worst team uh, yeah this season so far um, so you know worse than Norwich worse than Burnley um, right so it had to end eventually. And if we look at the three straight losses, uh, you know, two, one of those losses is to Chelsea and Newcastle were completely screwed by the referee. Uh, and the other was to Spurs, who, as much as they're a bit of a laughing stock, you know, on their day, they're an incredible team with, you know, a top five manager in the world, a top five player in the world, um, and can do this to, you know, a team that, uh, has only had an optimistic outlook on life for the last like two and a half months. Yeah. Um, it, uh, yeah, you know, the media talking points about, you know, Eddie Howe not being any better than Steve Bruce and 
just like the reactionary takes are just so ridiculous Um, agreed people like demanding asm be sold um when he was like our best player but uh playing poorly not this match he was you know no one really played well. It was kind of like yeah, well, I mean, um, like one, yeah. Bruno Guimaraes and Alan Saint Maximin are are two okay players. Yeah. Um, but uh, I I think so. ASM kind of uh, is a uh, one of these players where he was so important for us when we were so shit for so long. Yeah. That if we have a, a match where the team is collectively shit, we expect Alan St. Maximin to, to out, yeah. bail us out. So if he doesn't do that, it's like, oh, you know, rah, rah, rah. Right, What's right, the right. point? Um, but, you know, I think that's just ridiculous. Um, you know, I hope he stays for a very long time. The rumors have been, you know, off the charts. The, yeah. The latest ASM rumor is that we'll be selling him to Everton uh, this summer. Oh which one? Why would ASM why go would, play in the championship? Uh, yeah, exactly. And uh, yeah, you know, who would, would who we... would ever? No one is going to Everton now. Um, my question to you though is, and I sort of had this thought after I saw this result on the weekend, where it's like that Eddie Howe has objectively done such a good job of stabilizing the relationship between the club and the fans and also implementing an, a, an actual system, which is something that Steve Bruce failed to do, despite um, what the media says. But if, if you end the season on a disappointing note, not picking up many points and, and you know throwing in a few capitulations like this one, do you see Eddie Howe um, being sacked? Over the summer, um, I think. So I think if you know results like this continue, and even if we are safe, you know, if yeah. we, you know, barely skin it out, um, I think the conversation will be a lot more justified. But mm. I don't think uh, they would make a change. Uh, one, because so much of this squad is was inherited you know even though there were five new signings in january um you know kieran trippier uh has been out since the end of january um and most of the players are uh you know have been at the club for six seven eight years um are you know are just leftovers of the old regime um and i think there's been enough promise already with eddie howe that they would back him in the summer for, you know, at least another six months. Um, I don't think this form is going to continue. I think Newcastle are currently a much better squad than that. Um, And uh, like, also, I don't think enough is talked about, about how, you know, Newcastle has like some severe injury issues and stuff like that. Um, You know, like Callum Wilson, our top goal scorer has been missing Mm -hmm. for half the season. Um, and still no one has passed him as top goal scorer. So very true. Um, you know, I think if we, if we managed to get relegated, certainly Eddie Howe would get sacked. Um, yeah. If we barely skin it through, um, I think it kind of will need to take some advice on the atmosphere around the club, um, like the players reactions and stuff. Um, yeah. which for now, 
uh, it seems like the the locker room is incredibly high on Eddie Howe. Um, even players like Jamal Lascelles, who have been completely frozen out of the squad, uh, have waxed poetic about how great Eddie Howe is at um, mm. all stuff. Even you know players with really shit attitudes like John Joe Shelby um, has talked yeah, about like, how yeah. right how you know desperate he is to put a shift in under Eddie Howe because you know he really believes in what he's pushing. So sure. Um, um, I'd say Eddie Howe is relatively safe. Um, talk to me real quick about Tottenham. I think I want to reflect a bit on that a North London top four race when we mention Arsenal, because I, I have a couple of thoughts on that. But um, what about the resurgence uh, of Matt Doherty? Um, he was playing at left back in this match. Um, and 2022 has finally been a good patch for him. Where he's coming to this team uh, as a you know a marauding wing back, something that I thought would happen almost instantaneously for him under Conte, but it took a few months. Obviously, that's when he showed his best form um, for Wolves when he when he was in that kind of role. And Tottenham, you can you know Emerson Royale also scored in this game. Is is this just a reflection of of a really bad day at the office for Newcastle, or is it indicative of? the players clicking into place in a Conte system? Probably a mix of both. Um, you know, I don't think anything's super cut and dry. Um, one, I'll go one, yes. The, the Spurs have had a ton of time to gel and learn Conte system, which is a mm. hard system that requires a lot mentally and physically. Um, and uh, two, Newcastle are a side where you know they're they're very new to being even a competent team. It's a something we've only seen yeah. over the last few months. Um, so they're not drilled into holding leads like this. So they're much more prone to capitulation than another side yeah. does. Um, so I think it, this was like the perfect storm. Um, for Spurs, I always say that it's like players who really struggle or are in a tough patch. The the best match to play is against Newcastle, and they'll, you know, either score, um, which is very often the case, or you know, be man of the match. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, if uh, that side that played on Sunday for Spurs is a side that's capable of winning the Premier League, yeah, um, they were incredible and they were all over newcastle um it's uh 61 possession for spurs yeah. seems low um it felt like they were on top of newcastle the entire match um also uh for spurs shout out uh rodrigo bentenker uh, oh he's brilliant yeah he's unbelievable he is such a good player um yeah. I was doubtful how he would adapt to the Premier League. Ends up, uh, he's really freaking good. Yeah, I mean, I think Benton and Kulisevsky as well deserves a shout out for slotting into into this side really, really well. And I think um, Christian Romero, the centre back who didn't get has not did not get a look in at the beginning of the season, is also showing uh, his his prowess as a as a really good young defender. So. Um, 
yeah, it'll be interesting to see how this fight for the top four unfolds for sure. Yeah, I there was a while where I was, you know, very much doubting Spurs um, and their ability to yeah. uh, finish top four. But uh, yeah, I'm, I think. Sorry, go ahead. I was going to say the, the side that played yesterday. Have yeah, fully convinced me. Oh, so. I mean, I think I just, I know it only happened yesterday, but I, I, I think we may as well. Arsenal losing 3-0 in, in you know, in a, in a rout, really, um, by Crystal Palace. Um, it was at Selhurst. Uh, to all intents and purposes, Selhurst was rocking. And Crystal Palace are in a, in a really good patch of form and, and playing great football under uh, Patrick Vieira. Um, it was Jean-Philippe Mateta, Jordan Ayew, and Wilfred Zaha with the goals here. And... Um, you know, despite the fact that Arsenal outshot them and had plenty of the possession, um, they really didn't get a sniff in this match. Uh, also losing Kieran Tierney to what looks like a season-ending a knee injury and also Thomas Partey, who was playing poorly and then got hauled off maybe in the first half. Now, look, I think... I'll start off by saying I don't think this is a- an indication that Arsenal are a bad team, nor is it an indication that they were overperforming or anything like that. I, I think we can really just chalk this down to a, a bad day, and that happens to every single club. I think the question moving forward is whether this history will, will, will repeat itself and Arsenal will show signs of capitulation like they have done in the past. Uh, I think that's an open-ended question. My instinct says probably not. I think they're a more stable club than than they ha- are, were, you know, 18 months ago. But I think the race for the top four now, and we can, you know, West Ham might still be in it, but let's just for the sake of the sake of it, put only Tottenham and Arsenal in this, in this run. Tottenham now obviously pipping Arsenal to the, the fourth place spot. Actually, no, I'm sorry. Arsenal, let me just double check that. No, Tottenham pipping Arsenal to the fourth place spot. Um, both on the same amount of points, 54 points. Goal difference, very close um, as well, you know, within within 10 point, within ten goals. And Arsenal having played a game less than Tottenham. Um, very similar records over the past five games as well. Now, I think it's perfectly poised, really, because I'm not sure it's very easy to predict who will finish fourth. I think in Arsenal's case... They're such a young team that you're, if you're an Arsenal fan, you should be concerned about you know, the nous and the experience of this side to get it over the line and finish fourth. And yet, Tottenham have also, to me, showed no signs of consistency throughout the season, right? Like they've had, under Conte, they've had fantastic results and then followed those results up immediately by a poor performance or a poor loss. So, I mean, I think this is something that could really go right to the wire, um, but what do you think, Blake? Do you think that Tottenham are gonna just run clear with it now, despite the fact that it's still in Arsenal's hands? Um, could Chelsea be reeled into this? What do you think? Well, um, I'll hold off until next week to tell you about Chelsea because yeah. uh, you know we kind of have to see if uh, their result at the weekend, you know, was a. A, an just a blip, incredible yeah. blip or uh 
you know, indicative of some something, um, which, you know, it, it's one of those things where, you know, those types of matches, it's either uh, a blip in the road of a, you know, they have like 10 great matches and right in the middle is a strange, really awful result. Um, Cause it's very hard to keep up those incredible runs. Um, or also you see often a catastrophic result, which leads to the next couple of matches also going poorly. Um, so I'll hold off on Chelsea uh, to see how they respond. Um, but if you had to make me say it right now, I would guess that Tottenham will hold on to fourth spot uh, rather than Arsenal reclaiming it because Spurs have a, it is a really weird thing to say, they have more winners in their squad than Arsenal does, which is very funny. They haven't won with Tottenham, yes. but uh, they do have winners. Um, they have a winner as a manager. They have, um, you know, Kulisevsky. They have Bentenkur, who are new players who, you know, expect winning because um, they come from, you know, a league that's historically dominated by Juventus, kind mm-hmm. of. Um, whereas Arsenal is trusting the youth a lot and Mikel Arteta, you know, I'm not. I'm still not sold on him. Um, mm. You know he can be great, but uh, you know it's too early to call. I guess. Um, sure. But uh, yeah, I, so I would say right now, I think Spurs will hold on to it. Um, I just don't think that a side that's so young could can do it. Um, yeah. Also, but you know, I'm also biased because I, you know, I watched this match yesterday, and Arsenal were just yeah so crap. So it, it, I know it's very yeah. easy to be manipulated by you know watching 90 minutes of a really bad performance and saying, "Oh yikes, how are they going to get fourth? Um, yeah, I get that. I think yeah, I agree. I I, I reckon that Arsenal have been really really good. You know, um, in in the the second half of the season, and I think more credit has to be given to to the idea that it, it's a bad day at the office. Um, but I think you know we are also entitled to be. I mean, concerned is not the right word because you and I really don't give a shit. But I'm going to use it anyway. Concerned about um, you know, their ability to to make the top four because we've seen that capitulation before um but with both these sides really so it'd be interesting west ham you know they should be uh they should be in the top four anyway we deserve it um where should we go to next blake did you watch any of these other matches um hmm uh well unfortunately Southampton, i i saw a bit of this i also saw a bit of this hmm um, oh yeah. What about well, let's touch on the other another London club, Chelsea. Chelsea Brentford. This was a big story of the weekend. Brentford beating uh, Chelsea four one. Um, like you mentioned, we need to wait and see what this means for Chelsea. If this is a sign of troubled times to come, um, I think that I've look. I've heard a few people saying that. A few people who have been associated with dressing rooms, right? Ex-players 
saying that eventually all this stuff that's happening at the board level and above will catch up with the players and they'll sort of wake up one day and realize quite how bad the situation and and quite how uncertain their futures and the future of the club uh, could be. Um, but all I can really focus on in this match is is just how fantastic it is that Brentford beat the European champions 4-1 away from home with some absolutely sumptuous goals as well. Um, Vitaly Janelt's chip uh, in particular caught my eye. Uh, and Christian Eriksen also getting on the score sheet was great to see. Um, and his contribution has been fantastic for Brentford. Uh, you know, his integration to the side, coupled with the return of Ivan Tony, has, has really seen Brentford solidify their place in the Premier League. And I don't think there's any question that they'll go down now. Um, and yeah, just, just what a great result. I mean, obviously, I always love to see Chelsea lose. Um, but, you know, they put out a strong side and, and Brentford really just put them to the sword. Yeah, um, a couple things to shout out. Um, I unfortunately did not watch this match, which I really wish I did. Mm. Uh, I was uh, walking around in the nice weather, which was, yeah. um, you know, it's nice it's to nice. get away from football yeah. every once in a while. Um, so... I think it has to be talked about uh, the Antonio Rudiger goal. Uh, oh God, yeah! Com- holy crap! Completely forgot what a goal. Uh, what? A yeah, goal. amazing. Um, goes and celebrates with Thomas Tuchel. Um, he does, yeah. Which, which is, is interesting. you know yeah. important, yeah. Yeah, and interesting considering his contract uh, situation. Um, however, I think. This 4-1 was completely deserved, um, and Brentford honestly could have had more. Uh, they missed that one essentially open goal, um, and I think they also had one blocked on the line by, uh, I think it was Thiago Silva. Um, but, uh, yes, Christian Eriksen, uh, an incredible player. Uh, oh, yes. Which I guess shouldn't be... A huge surprise when we talked about him signing for Brentford. We talked about how you just don't know what's going to happen. Like you don't know what type of player we just it's yeah. going to be. I mean, it takes um, astonishing mental fortitude to. I mean, you know, I know we said it before, but he was dead, right? And it's just I think it's incredible that he's still playing. So the fact that he appears to be back to his top level is really quite something. Sorry to interrupt. Right, and he also essentially didn't play football for six months. Yeah. I mean, and then it's... another six months on or less, he's now playing back in the Premier League, which is supposedly the most physically demanding league in the uh, world. So yeah. all that is said, um, he did not lose his, you know, his class. Um, honestly, pretty similar to the player he was. Um, uh, you know, he, he's playing in a much worse team and he still looks just as good. Um, no, yeah, which is uh, good so to see. For my my question, but sorry, just before you you continue to you is, do you think he leaves Brentford and joins another club in the summer? And I'll I'll, sh- I'll just show in my my take is that I don't want him to, and I don't think he should, but I think he really wants to complete like an incredible comeback. And one of the big reasons he left Spurs was because he wanted trophies. 
And I think that he he will leave Brentford for for another club in the summer. Yeah, I think undeniably. Maybe back he to will Tottenham. Leave. Conte loves no, him. No, no. He, he 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 was tapping him up month three months ago. He wants him back there. I wouldn't. It would not surprise me. You know, I mean, he had he had such a difficult start under Conte at Inter, but then he became a vital part of that title-winning side in the second half of the season. And, you know, before he even... He's only played four matches in, in the Premier League this season. And before he even came back, Conte was... He, he had that line where he was like... I, I, basically, he was like, I wish I had Christian Eriksen. Um, I don't know. It wouldn't surprise me. It wouldn't surprise me. Where do you think he would go? Um, because the Premier League is one question. of the only big leagues that will allow him to play with that thing in his heart. Right, so he can't play in Italy and he can't play no. in France. But I, I he believe can he can't play... play in Spain, right? Uh, right, I thought he couldn't play in Spain either. So, so he could go to Germany, Bundesliga? Yeah. which if he but wants a he trophy, to go to Bayern. that means Bayern. And so he's not going to go to Bayern, they're not going to pick him up, they don't need him. So He will be free though, and they love their free signings. Um... That's true, but... Actually, he'd be, pro. He'd be nice in a Bayern shirt, actually. <laughs> well, I don't know, could he... Well, actually... I mean, if they get rid of Sabitzer, who hasn't been very good, why not? A little bit younger right, than Müller. Then, oh, interesting. Yeah, sorry. But so then, you know, if it's not Germany, it's England. And if we look at uh, top English sides, you know, he's not going to go to City. They have a plethora of attacking midfielders. They have too many attacking midfielders right now. He's not going to go to Chelsea. Um because where does he fit in with Mount and Havertz and them? Although Havertz is being a striker right now. Yeah. Um, Manchester United, probably not. Um, Arsenal, no. Um, I guess that's a good question. Is Christian Eriksen an improvement over Martin Odegaard? No, he's not. He's not. Um, Martin Odegaard is... You know, Martin Odegaard is seven years younger. He has is has the ability to to to. You know, he's just he's. I don't know. I was about to say he's physically better. I'm not sure Martin Odegaard has improved his physicality over the past few years. But yeah, yeah. Look, Martin Odegaard is is a runner. So is Christian Eriksen. But you 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 do not replace Martin Odegaard. This this guy is sensational. Um. So no. Right. Sorry, okay. And, and also, I feel so, like he wouldn't go because Tottenham. But right, um, there Tottenham is an option, um, and then the other is Liverpool, which I actually think he would fit pretty well. Yeah, he would, um, and makes sense. And they have a lot of aging midfielders. They have a lot of midfielders that are slightly below the standard of what they're expecting right yeah, now. Yeah, but I mean. Um, <laughs> It is Christian Eriksen is also an aging midfielder. Like, and I think I think the the big thing is the heart. There's nothing wrong with his heart anymore, right? And he has this device set in or whatever. So you know, you we can sort of view him just like any other thirty year old midfielder. But that is aging. You know, another couple of years, he his legs could go. He's he's played a lot of football. Yeah, I don't know. I I I would I put a cheeky bet down on a Tottenham return actually. We could do that together. That could be a, a pod prediction. I would, I would have to I would have to do some homework, I think. 
yeah um, all right let's let's move forward where else do you want to go who else do you want to cover um i guess just finishing on um the chelsea brentford match um the so one i think they could have scored more and uh, two i actually think this match fits quite well back into the conversation we had a few weeks ago on uh the big six bias by commentators um because the way i i forget who which highlight package i watched um maybe i think it was sport live um their commentators were talking like as if you know one for the first half chelsea were the better team that this was a real smash and grab win for brentford that it was an uh you know that chelsea were great um and brentford won against the run of play um which are all just like not true and you know i think it's just like pre-canned talking points that they go Mm -hmm. through um it was just very annoying to watch um, Brentford, you know, easily brush aside Chelsea. Um, but uh, yeah, um, other than that, don't have much else to say. Um, can you tell me a little bit about West Ham Everton? I can. Um, you know, I was. I'm always delighted with a West Ham win. Um, I think that this is one of those ones on paper where we should be beating a, an incredibly, incredibly poor Everton side. And, you know, you made allusions to it at the top of this podcast. Um, It would, at this point, not be a surprise to find them in the championship next season. They are a lost sinking ship. Um, The scoreline was 2-1. I think that Everton were incredibly poor. Um, I wouldn't say the scoreline makes it look closer than it was. Um, You know, West Ham did not have to be sensational maybe not they didn't even have to be very good to beat this Everton side I have to say that the my goodness the uh the Chris sorry the um Aaron Cresswell free kick was quite something um and I think it was maybe overshadowed by a couple other sensational goals uh in in this match day but uh, you know the guy is brilliant on a on a dead ball uh in my opinion he's he's one of the best in the league um, you know, there's obviously others, Kevin De Bruyne, Trent, um, James Will Prowse are, bet- are better than him, but he 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 can do he he can do wonders with a with a dead ball. Um, yes, Pickford has little arms, but um, still a great free kick. Um, you know, I think we just showed confidence, uh, and we showed once again uh, a Moy strength, and that is a squad uh, with a lack of egos. You saw. You know our wingers and our and our midfielders, especially they don't take pot shots. They they cut balls back into the box. They try and find their men. Um, Holgate got a goal, strange little goal um, with a big deflection. Um, you know, after a, a fair amount of pressure from Everton, maybe a, a good patch from then. But um, then they just they didn't collapse, but they're just they're just a horrible defensive side. I mean, Antonio had this opportunity, which was given to him on a golden platter by, by the Everton defense. Um, and the shot is, is, is saved by Pickford, but then Bowen is right there to sort of smash in the rebound. Um, and I'm sure you agree with me, Blake, but these types of incidents are indicative of a side that is literally like a, it's a relegation side. Like these kind of, 
my, you know, West Ham fans know it well. Calamity defending, that's what we call it, right? It's like everything is going wrong on the pitch. The players look like they've lost their heads. Everything that can go wrong does go wrong. Um, and, and, you know, the, the attitude of, of the Everton players sort of show it. You know, there's, there's, no, there's no bite back when they go 2-1 down. There's no, you know, sprinting back to the, the halfway line and showing some, some energy. It's all heads down, trudging back kind of thing. And, and that's never good. Um, Keane, I thought, was absolutely awful. I, I wonder if his top flight career is is finished, finishing. Um, it has to be. Right. And yeah, I think at the very end there there was uh, not at the very end, I'm sorry. Um that Cresswell could have got a second yellow or maybe a straight red. Um he, he kicked the ball through Richarlison at one point. Um Yeah. There was some contention. I, I, I'd say no. I never think that kicking the ball through someone deserves uh sending off a violent conduct or, or reckless play. Um, but yeah, I think that's that's the summary. And look at an excellent win. We've played 31 games. Where even with the, the that game and slash a couple games in hand, where we're a few points off the top four. But good performance, and and my heart is is racing for the the first leg on on Thursday. Um, we're in once again um, unmarked territory, and uh, I'm I'm loving it. What a season! Yeah. Um... Uh, a couple things. One, there's what seven matches remaining for West Ham between now and the end of the season. There are some tough sides like Chelsea, yeah. Arsenal, yep. and Man City, tough but there are four winnable matches mm. for West Ham. And yeah. So I think overall, you would say the end of the season is a relatively favorable run yeah. uh, for West Ham to push for a top. No, four spot. and imagine if imagine if we beat. So you said Tottenham was in there, right? Are they? Um, what did you just say? Did you say Arsenal or Tottenham? You said one of the two. I've got them Arsenal. in my mind. So imagine if we beat Arsenal and then Arsenal go and draw to Tottenham in the, in the North London derby. Suddenly, we're right in it with those two teams. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it'll be a huge push. And, and I think we're much more likely to win the Europa League than get top four. Um, but... You know, so exciting, so exciting, and and on top of that, I I think now with and I don't want to get ahead of myself here. I think now with Chelsea definitely out of the race in the summer, just because who the hell knows what's going to happen with them. Declan Rice might stay. I think he stays one thousand percent if we get Champions League. There's no way he leaves, but I don't think we need to sell, and I don't think that he would kick up a fuss. And I don't think we will sell him for anything less than a, a crazy fee. Um, you know, maybe that's naivety, but I, I can see at the beginning of the season, I was convinced this, this was his swan song, but I can see another year of Declan Rice on the cards. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, I agree. I think if West Ham, especially if West Ham win the Europa League, um, and you know, show some, um, what's the word? Like, uh, it makes some signings, um, that show intent. Yeah. Um, yeah. Show, yeah. Show some real conviction. I think you can pretty easily convince him to stay. Um, I going back to this win over Everton, 
um, I think there are four characteristics that you see every single year in relegated sides in the Premier League. And those are calamitous defending that leads to goals. It is unnecessary red cards and especially unnecessary red cards resulting in suspensions. Um, Players jogging back to defend. um, And uh, I don't remember the fourth one. Um, But, uh, you know, I saw... (laughs) As I only wrote down three of them, and I should have written down the fourth. No, one I mean as it's well. a series of checks, though. There, right? I mean Everton displayed exactly. all those symptoms, uh, and Donny Van der Beek got an injury. Deli Ali is not playing. Horrible, just an absolutely oh. horrible situation. Four. Okay, so uh, four. Uh, I'll say injuries as well, and then fifth, the one I was thinking of is uh, managers blaming players in. Press conferences. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. No, I mean, uh, Lampard sucks. Like, he's just, what a boring guy. Um, both yellow cards for Michael Keane were absolutely stupid and unnecessary and weird um, and not Premier League quality defending. Um, and yeah, um, another thing I noticed, um, or I guess just realized uh, or was made super apparent in this match is. Uh, West Ham are a very unselfish football team. Um, the amount of cutbacks that West Ham does is uh, kind of like you don't really see that very often. Um, and it's nice to see, I suppose. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, talking about the Cresswell incident at the end, I could have seen it given red for violent conduct, but looking at the replay, one, Richarlison does like a double take reaction, which you know makes it look less bad because it looks like he's faking it, which yeah. he's milking it a little bit. Um, but also, it's like bang bang. Um, it's like so quick um, that I think a red card would have been pretty harsh. Yeah, agreed. Um, what other matches do we have to talk about, Oscar? Uh, I'm not. I'm not. Leeds super Southampton sure. is interesting. Yeah, it is. It is a little um, interesting. Yeah, this match uh, started absolutely insanely for Leeds. Yeah. Um, you know, right where uh, Bielsa left them. Uh, I think within the first five minutes, you can say they had five decent chances. Um, and uh, it would then uh. Leeds would take the lead on about the 30th minute um, from... Uh, I'm actually interested to see who you think this goal, the the fault is on. Um, but it was uh, Rafinha gets to the byline. They think the ball is going out, so all the defenders are flat-footed. Yeah. Rafinha crosses it in. Uh, Frazier Forster uh, gets a big touch to it, but gives it right to Jack Harrison, who puts it in. Um, I think some uh, people are blaming Livermento. Yeah, I didn't like yeah. his positioning on this to be to be frank. But he's also um, he's so young. Like the guy is just like seamlessly fit into a Premier League side having never played senior football. It's going to happen. Um but yeah, I didn't like his positioning. He was he was in no man's land. Yeah, I think like equal parts Livermento and Forster. Um as much as I love Fraser Forster. 
uh, you know, the Jordy. Uh, he did, you know, put it on a golden platter for Jack Harrison. Right. Um, I think out after that, Southampton deserved to win on the balance of chances, but um, I think overall the 1-1 is pretty fair. Um, Jay Adams reverted to his 2019 form and bottled a really great opportunity. Um, and then uh, in the 50th minute, it just, you know, the writing was on the walls. Um, right. There was a, I think it was Kyle Walker Peters who went down on the edge of the box after out dribbling like seven players. And you could just kind of feel that James Ward Prowse was going to put it into the uh, back of the net. Um, I believe he's, he's five free kick goals behind David Beckham. Um, I was just wondering if you thought, you know, he has a chance of breaking that. Um, how many behind is he? Five free kick oh, goals. Yeah, That's easily. what they said on the broadcast. He's um, going to smash that record apart. He's only like yeah. 26, right? 27? Yeah, I think he's, he's gonna, 27. He's going to kill that record. He could play for another 10 years. Yeah, it's true. But, you know, we see... Right, th- there's been a lot of, you know, excellent free kick takers who their free kick range is very short. Um, where they score a lot of goals in a short succession. No, but he's then... been doing it for years. That's he's, fair. He, he's, he's ridiculous. Like, this guy is like... It's not a fluke. He's just he's incredible at free kicks. He's gonna he's gonna destroy that record by by December of next season easily. He he scores so many free kicks. Yeah, David Beckham has the record with eighteen uh, direct free kick goals. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a website with embedded video, so it's launching me all over the place. Oh right. Um. Let me see. 11. How do they have the... Oh, they have it top to bottom. Okay, David Beckham with 18. James Ward-Prowse is on 12. Mm. And then Thierry Henry is on 12. Uh, Gianfranco Zola is on 12. Uh, Sebastian Larson's on 11. Cristiano Ronaldo on 11. And mm. uh, the best free kick taker on this list, uh, Laurent Robert on 11 as well true yeah um yeah uh the this match ended 1-1 um and you know i think that's an okay result for leeds um it's not desired Mm. but it's decent Um, yeah and, and i liked jesse marsh's comments afterwards he talked about the importance he he was like if you're driving a sports car you don't drive with the pedal to the metal all the time. You need to learn how to, you know, when you accelerate and when you let off the acceleration a little bit. Um, and um, yeah, I think there are some signs of some, you know, some signs of success that Jesse Marsh can have at Leeds. Oh, um, yeah, for sure. I think it's relatively promising. Yeah, agreed. Um, other than that, um, I don't believe I have any matches. Yeah, to me neither. I'm, I'm, I'm interested. You know, next weekend, 
as we start to get into into the end of this season and then the European competitions are, you know, not thick and fast, I guess, but definitely in the mix. Uh, everything will shape up nicely and I think we'll get a clearer picture in a couple of weeks of what our top four race will be and, and then really which clubs will be in a actual relegation fight and I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Um, talking about European football, did you watch either of the Champions League matches I did. today? I didn't. You know what, Blake? I'm, I don't know if I'm... I'm super that super involved, super interested in the Champions League. Um, you know, I watch the final, catch the semis if I can. But eh, what about you? Yeah, um, I actually watched a YouTube compilation of all the goals ever scored in the Champions League final um, over the last like twenty years. Um, one, my first point: Why don't good Football compilations exist on YouTube. How come they're all such utter shit and mm. like dubstep yeah. and right. clickbait? And I have no it's idea. just very annoying that you know lots of sports have you know very neat highlights, uh, highlight compilations. Yeah, and I know it's I like strange, isn't it? Football doesn't really have one. I wonder if it's something about the demographics that watch football, yeah, possibly like um, that. Um... Yeah, possibly that. I don't know. I think it's such a global phenomenon that maybe just the uh, the sheer amount of compilations you you get and I I don't know. Good, very good question. I have no yeah, idea. Yeah, but anyways, I was watching you know the Champions League final goals over the last twenty years, and I I yeah it, I did think while watching it like I used to be so much more invested in the Champions League, um, and especially right. the Champions League finals. Um, and, uh, the, by comparison, the recent ones just have felt very uninspiring. Um, and speaking of uninspiring, I watched Man City, Atletico Madrid today. Awful match. Um, just super frustrating to watch. I actually watched this and the Forest Green Rovers and Mansfield Town match at the same time. Beautiful. Um, which... Of course, the um, Forest Green Rovers match was much better. Um, speaking of which, Forest Green Rovers are an incredibly strange side, and they're very fun to watch because mm. they are top of League Two currently and recently have refound some uh, form. But before this recent patch, they were bottom of the form table in League Two. Um, but that entire time, they maintained first position. Um, so they like go back and forth between being... They, they, they're dominant and extend their lead and then are crap yeah. and lose the lead and then are dominant again. Um, so they're a fun side to watch. Um, yeah. You never really know what you're going to get. Um, but yeah, you know, Europa League, way better than Champions League. Um, I think... In general, each competition should only have one team from each country. None of this bullshit about six English clubs getting in. Um, yeah, Champions League should be for the champions of each league. Um, but, uh, you know, money talks and whatever. Yeah. Um, well, Oscar, to end today's podcast, I do have 
Uh, just one question for you, because okay. I, I asked. We both asked a lot of questions throughout all this. Yes. Um. And uh, this is another player I might have already asked you about him, but uh, it's very hard to keep track of who I've asked. You I know about we're gonna have to rethink. Of, we're gonna have to think of something else, aren't we, for next season? Um. Yeah, this player um, started at Linzer in Austria, also known as Lask, um, before he would join FC Köln. Uh, and then Ooh. Tottenham Hotspur, uh, where he is considered one of the gigantic flops. Oh, I know who this the, is. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, he would go to Stoke and would be marginal, marginably better um, before and going out on loan to many places. Before ending at uh, this club, can you tell me where Austrian central defender Kevin Wimmer is? Yes, I can. Kevin Wimmer is at Rapid Vienna back in Austria, no? Yes, yeah. he is. Um, and yeah. Rapid Vienna are currently, I believe, yeah, having a torrid season. Um, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I'm, pr- I'm pretty sure they're having an awful season. Um, and uh, I have no idea how many times he's played for them, and I have no idea you know what they think of him but uh uh no yeah i don't know it's strange one of those yeah i mean the maybe not a uh a wonder kid but the the definition of a very promising young player who who fell off um calamitous at spurs my god um, but he was very highly rated before that i remember him being quite a solid player on fifa and then sort of losing his powers uh as he barely played at spurs Yes, uh, I believe he is having a very poor time at Rapid Vienna. Nice. According to who scored, which I don't know how reliable they are for the A Bundesliga, uh, he's only played in three out of 25 matches, hmm. uh, which is not very nice. good. Nice. Um, yeah, I remember him as being calamitous. Um, he was the the failed wonder kid when I was getting really into the Premier League, so uh, the butt of a lot of jokes. Yes. All right, All Oscar. Right. Yeah. Um, this has been episode twenty-two of season two of the Peak to Two Early podcast. Indeed. Uh, if you want to tweet us, review us, email us, uh, you know where to find us, um, and. Uh, In the meantime, uh, stay safe and uh, enjoy some football. And you? I'm standing.